Welcome to Just Hit Record, where we talk about the life and lives of the ever-growing community of immigrants. Join us as we rant about what it's like to live the reality of the Western world through the eyes of your hosts, Pranay and Sandeep. Hey guys, welcome back to Just Hit Record. And in today's nugget, we're going to be talking about Canadian investment accounts. Some of our last few episodes of Nuggets have focused on investing and saving and just general good practices when it comes to your finances. You know, you're starting up in a new country. The systems can be different for different countries. And since mostly our focus has been in North America, since I am in the United States and our resident Canadian expert Sandeep is currently (laughs) based out of Toronto. We're going to ask Sandeep some questions about, you know, what it, what what do you need to know when you're coming into Canada in terms of your investments? So, Sandeep, I'm going to let you take this one and answer us. Sure. So, the Canadian market definitely imitates the U.S. market in a lot of ways. We most likely have similar accounts. It's just the names are slightly different and the way they're set up or, say, the contribution limits are different. So, let's keep it simple and straightforward. I think the most important uh, account that the Canadian government provides for investing uh, with tax advantages, so to speak, are of two types. One is called the RRSP, which is called the Registered Retirement Savings Plan. And the other is uh, TFSA, which is basically a tax-free savings account. I'll talk first about the RRSP, and then we'll get to the TFSA. The TFSA account is by far my favorite account, and I'll let you know why. But the RRSP, which is a registered retirement savings plan, there can be several types, but the ideology is the same. It's basically, uh, it's an account that either can be set up by your employer, or it can be set up by yourself, or both. And you can contribute to it Pre-tax, so basically, if your income is say uh, five thousand uh, dollars, and your company will match, you know, say five percent, then five percent is calculated on the six thousand dollars before it is taxed. The five thousand, sorry, the five thousand dollars before it's taxed, and whatever is remaining, that remaining amount is taxed uh, for your income tax purposes. So that's uh, basically an RSP. Now, if it's an RSP account that's been opened by you, that obviously there's no matching. You just make a contribution, which could be $200, $300 a month. And uh, you keep adding to it. You keep uh, choosing whatever stocks you want to invest in. You can uh, invest in Canadian stocks. You can invest in American stocks. You can invest in American exchange-traded funds, index funds. There is no limit as such, so to speak. Uh, there's some rules, regulations about dividend income, so, but those are minor. It's not something that's a make or break sort of situation. Uh, the only thing that is of a stark difference is that with these retirement accounts, if you want to take out any of that money without penalty, then the retirement age for these accounts is 71 years. When you compare that to the U.S. where it's 59 and a half or 60 years of age, that is a bit of a difference. And I think... It's like 10 years. 10 years. I know. 
I know. And I think in the recent past, that kind of has deterred a lot of young people, so to speak, from contributing to an RSP account because 71 is truly a long way off. But for example, in my case, uh, I actually at this point still haven't qualified for my company's um, 401k matching, so to speak. We don't call it a 401k. We call it a group RSP. Uh, It's an RSP account, but the moment you add the word group, it basically means that it's being funded by the company and the company will match whatever contribution you make set to a limit. Uh, In my case, it's about 5%. And then combined with your contribution and the company's contribution, you can invest in some of the funds that have been pre-approved by the company or the financial, uh, uh, financial institution that the company is in business with. So those are the two RSP accounts that we have. I hope there's some clarity on that. No, that's that's a good explanation for them. Would it be fair to say that they're similar to the traditional 401k and an IRA here in that the traditional 401k yes. would be more of your company matched investment uh, yes. accounts and a tr- an IRA is pretty much the individual version of the RSP that you've mentioned. Exactly. It, it's literally that. Um, it's just the names are different. And I think, I'm not sure about the U.S. uh, contribution limit, but at least uh, over here for the RSP, the maximum contribution is about uh, $27,800. That's the max. But in general for us, it's like 18% of your earned income. So that could be, yeah, so that could be, you know, anywhere between 10 to 15,000. But if you're, income is $200,000, 18% of that does not qualify. Right. So yeah. that's where- the I, wonder 20- if that's, I wonder if that's also the other similarity in that, you know, I did mention in our previous nugget that certain people actually don't even qualify for IRA accounts in- I mean, the they qualify, States. but they're going to ma- be maxed out at 27000 so that is the limit. Doesn't matter what it doesn't matter is. if if eighteen percent of your income comes out to be fifty thousand dollars, you can invest fifty thousand dollars. The max you can invest is twenty seven thousand dollars or twenty seven eight thirty to be precise. Okay. the The last account that I'm going to talk about, which is the one that's extremely unique to Canada alone, is basically the TFSA account. It's it's called the tax free savings account. And this was introduced by the Canadian government in the year 2009, uh, by means of which uh, it states that any individual who's a Canadian resident or citizen above the age of 18 can invest, I think, six or $5,000 every year going forward. It is six or $5,000 taxed income. However, once you invest that money into the TFSA account, Whatever gains you make, say, for example, you invest $6,000 in a company or, you know, any random company and you make a profit of $2 million or $3 million, uh, you won't be taxed on your profits. So you're not going to make $2 million, $3 million. That's not going to happen. But I'm saying, right. like, 
in most other accounts, you will have to pay a capital gains tax. Uh, depending on the account, it might be minimal, marginal, or it could be a regular amount. In the TFSA, you don't. There's no tax advantage at the beginning of your contribution because it's like it's it's basically taxable income that you're adding to the account. But once you may have invested and you've made any profits, those profits don't undergo any capital gains tax. Now, the other good thing about it is that it's a rollover contribution. So for example, say at 18 years of age, uh, the, the contribution limit is set every year by the Canadian government. Sometimes it's $6,000, sometimes it's $5,000. I think one year it was also $10,000. And the way it works is say at the age of 18, you know, you're, you're in school or in college and you don't really have $6,000 to invest. So whatever amount of money that's left, say you invest in only a thousand and you have another contribution limit of another $4,000 left, you don't lose that. You basically gets rolled over to the next year. So if say you haven't invested a dime since the age of 18 and you're now uh, say 25, you've had seven years where you've not made any contributions, you don't lose that contribution limit. Taking an average of 5,000 per year, you now can contribute $35,000 into that account. So That's it's a rolling amazing. contribution. Yeah. I don't know any other accounts or systems that actually have that in place. I feel like most financial institutions almost take advantage of the fact that, you know, oh, you didn't hit your limit for this year, too bad, try again next year. Yeah, so the so. fact that it's a rolling contribution really does make it awesome. Uh, and of course, the last account that, uh, I don't know if we need to mention it, but having your own individual or margin account with any of the firms, uh, that is the account where you don't really have any tax advantages, so to speak. You don't have any penalties either for making withdrawals. Uh, you can contribute to it today and take it out by night and nobody's going to you know, fine you for that. Uh, you can open up those accounts with as many brokerage firms as you want to. Um, I think that goes with the RSP as well. You can open it up with as many um, banks or institutions as you want to. But right. in the individual, of course, uh, you will be charged full capital gains tax. I know this is supposed to be a very basic intro to... Uh, the sort of investment accounts that we have in Canada. But I did want to mention, I have lived in the US and I have paid capital gains tax and I don't really remember the specifics of it because I wasn't as active in my investments. And also once I make an investment, I hold it for long. So my accounts in the US are still active. Uh, I haven't sold anything yet. But in Canada, what's interesting is that you only pay the capital gains tax on 50% of the profits you make for everyone talks about how much canada taxes you and i'm sure they still do tax you they still <laughs> tax things. you don't but yeah <laughs> don't be fooled about that i know i know we've had conversations about this before and you've told I paid me three thousand dollars on my car just on a car taxes. that cost me twenty thousand dollars i paid three thousand dollars just in taxes that's an in insane tax. amount yeah yeah taxes are high in canada it's not it's not false it's still true but that's a cool little feature that they add to encourage people to invest. You know, even if you do make money, your capital gains tax, usually, you know, especially if you are an active investor and you have a lot of your funds tied in, in the markets, it's a, it's a big benefit if you're only paying 50% of those capital gains taxes. 
Yeah. And uh, I I did want to ask something about the individual investing accounts in um, in Canada. You know how most of the accounts here are obviously linked to your American stock exchanges, you know, NASDAQ. And um, is there an equivalent for Canada? And are you an active participant in the Canadian stock exchange? Um, I wouldn't say I am as active. There are some companies that trade on both the New York Stock Exchange as well as the Canadian Stock Exchange. So in those cases, you know, the company's trading here as well, then I'll just buy the Canadian equivalent of the stock. Um, the reason for that is because most people will invest in the U.S. market. That's a given. Um, you know, it's just, I don't even need to explain that. The U.S. market is one of the largest in the world. Why wouldn't you? The Canadian Stock Exchange, on the other hand, is not as extensive. Uh, it's not comparable, truly. However, uh, when, as in as a Canadian resident or a citizen, when you're trying to invest through a Canadian brokerage firm, you've always got to, got to go through that extra step where you're converting your cash into American dollars. And uh, I use Questrade as my uh, brokerage firm because they kind of let me store uh, my cash in either Canadian dollars or American dollars. Uh, but for a lot of other brokerage firms, they don't let you do that. And so they charge this conversion fee. So every time you're buying a stock, uh, they don't let you they don't let you know, but basically they're converting your, your, your Canadian dollars to USD dollars, and then they're buying the stock. And every time you sell it, they're again selling it, and the US dollars is being converted to Canadian dollars and then deposited in your account. And for each transaction while you're buying and selling, you are paying a conversion fee. It's so not free. This is so. This is if you're buying. This is if you want to trade on the New York Stock Exchange, or if you want to trade yeah. on anything that's American while you're in Canada. Yeah. You're basically converting it twice. Do you also have to pay double taxes? Then are you paying taxes for the U.S. and for Canada, or is it just whatever in Canada? It's only whatever in Canada. However, I think when it comes to dividends, as I mentioned before, there's some intricacies to it where I think it's like a fifteen percent rule on. Uh, the taxes that you pay on in uh, dividends. I'm not sure. I haven't really looked into it. I don't even know what happens if you reinvest your dividends. Um, but I mean, as we go forward, fewer and fewer companies are handing out dividends anyways, uh, or the insignificant. I mean, uh, Apple's dividend is like 88 cents. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, you need to own a lot of Apple stocks for it to make sense, the dividend payments. Yeah, I mean, there used to be a time back in the day when people would live off uh, and pay their monthly bills based on just dividends after retirement. I think AT&T is one of those blue chip companies which uh, people have bought and they don't sell because of the great dividend that they have. However, in the recent times, they have cut that dividend by almost 50%. But uh, more and more companies definitely are not handing out dividends as generously as they used to. So it's not really a point of concern for me. I'm not looking to make an income based off on dividends. If anything, I reinvest all of my dividends into the stock. Okay. And uh, yeah, I think th it sounds like the systems are similar in Canada and the US. We've talked about the US systems in a previous nugget. And I, it's just nice to draw parallels and know what the names are because the names are different. You know, yeah. 401k is very different. It's a very unique name to the United States and uh, clearly Canada has its equivalent 
and um it's just nice to know the specifics especially when you're coming in and it is going to be something that you want to look into it, hopefully this gives you guys uh, an idea of what to expect especially when it comes to retirement accounts and individual trading a lot of people like sandeep you know might have moved from the united states over to canada and they might have investments still sitting in the united states is there any specific advice that you would have for those people would you suggest that they transfer it over to canada or is it better managed even while you're in canada you know if you wanted to manage your accounts that were in the united states from canada i'll be honest i don't think i'm the best person to answer that question because i myself am still in the process of figuring it out i have read a lot of forums where they say that you are allowed to hold investments in a in a us brokerage firm uh even if you've uh, moved out but they're they're not all brokerage firms allow that for example i know charles schwab exactly once you tell them you've moved out of the us they won't support you and you will have to close up your account so i don't know yet how best to handle them but uh i think i will be moving over all of my uh, investments to canada just to keep things simple uh is i i like having a minimalist approach when it comes to investing i don't like having too many accounts open which seems to be the case right now so i'm trying to consolidate everything the good thing is that uh you don't need to really cash out if you're trying to move your accounts over even within the us you can move all your your entire investment portfolio from one brokerage firm to the other without cashing out i think they charge a very minimal fee of like 40 bucks to do that when it comes uh, cross country uh, i think it just takes it's just a matter of more time but the idea is still the same you can you know your stocks will be transferred over to whichever firm of your choosing okay that makes sense and um i think that's a good wrap up for what to expect from canadian investment accounts you know thanks sandeep for being our resident expert on all things canada you are living the experience over there so you know yeah. we're going to take advantage of that most definitely all right on that note we'll call this a nugget and uh if you have any questions for us if there's any specific investment related questions please know that we are not financial advisors and we don't all the opinions that we have here are solely our opinions and not meant to be um recommendations or suggestions for what you guys need to go out and do beyond this all we would say is go do your research This is just a starting point. There's so much out there that you can read and learn. But uh these are just some important things that you would need to know coming in and uh, it's a good place to start. But uh if you have questions that we can address, we would love to hear from you on Twitter at JHR Podcast. That's Just Hit Record Podcast. But until next time, we'll catch you on another episode of Just Hit Record.